It's about time because we're going there. Hi, friends. Welcome back to another episode of We're Going There. I am your host, Bianca Waters Oltoff, and today I hope you put your big boy, big girl panties on, okay? Because we are going to handle some big topics. Today we're going deep with a beautifully deep mind, and we are talking about trauma, triggers, anger, and most importantly, healing. Kobe Campbell is a seminary-trained, award-winning, licensed trauma therapist, a speaker, an author, and you might have seen her on TikTok or Instagram teaching people how to break patterns by understanding how our past impacts our present. Hello. That's just going to set somebody free today. Get ready, fam. Get ready, okay? She is smart, articulate, beautiful. She is a wife, a mother, and a devoted follower of Jesus. No, that is not in her bio. That is what I'm saying about her because when I listen to her and I read her words, let me tell you something. I know that is true about her because when she speaks, I say, oh, oh, that's just dripping with Jesus. Kobe, welcome to the show. So excited that you're here. Thank you. I was like, I need that to be my updated bio. <laughs> well, you know, honey, I am a writer, okay? <laughs> my ways and send the invoice too, okay? I love it. I love it. I'm so glad that you're part of the show. I know we were chit-chatting a little bit earlier, but I, I just need to tell myself, no one is more excited for this interview than me, okay? Okay? My twin sister says that I love therapy and every season, she's not lying. She's not lying. And every season I try to bring on a voice of clairvoyant wisdom when it comes to therapy. As a follower of Jesus, and you will attest to this too, God can transform. The Holy Spirit can move. But I do believe that God gives wisdom to counselors and therapists to help us on the healing journey. And so I just want to say, you know, therapy is expensive and I love my people. So this is Y'all get ready. Grab your journals, your notebooks, your thinking caps, because today, today, we are going to get some help. So I have a million questions and I want to pepper you with questions and have you respond with poetic prose and wisdom from above. But before I get crazy, before I get crazy, what, what do our listeners need to know about you before we dive into trauma and the work that it's going to take for us to heal? Oh. That's a good question. You know, I think I think before we even get into like the answers to questions and things, I think the listener should know that I've lived it. Mm. That like mm. I have lived it. Yes, I have the degree. Yeah, I have like the neurology, the biology, the psychology, the epigenetics. I can back it up with all the studies and all the science, but there's something about living in it. Mm. And um, I've lived it. And so this is not someone informing you from, you know, across the stage. This is someone informing you like hand in hand. Mm. Like I'm with you. I'm in it with you. I have my own therapist. To this day, <laughs> I really am. So I think that's the most important thing. It is. It is. Thank you. Thank you for being honest. Thank you for trusting us yeah. in this space. Uh, for the listeners that have been tuning in this season, you know that we are focusing on grit and resilience. This is the first time we've taken an entire season to unpack topics. And what I want to do is provide practical handles in different ways to strengthen and equip us to be gritty, to be resilient and bounce back. And so yeah. we are at the point of the season where I feel like it's high time that we talk about an important topic and that is trauma. And why is that? Because so much research is coming out that some of the inhibitors that stop us from getting back up, from being resilient, from being gritty, is opposition and trauma. Now, 
there's somebody out there that is like, well, I'm not too sure this is the episode for me because I, I haven't gone through trauma. You know, I wasn't abused as a kid. I didn't lose a parent as a teenager. So no, I'm fine. I don't have trauma. Can you unpack from your perspective as a licensed professional and a spirit-filled woman of God, lowercase t trauma and, and capital T trauma, or maybe some language to help us understand how do you define trauma? Yeah, absolutely. I would define trauma as any past experience that affects how you show up in the present mm -hmm. and how you perceive the future. Ooh, okay. Any past experience that affects how you show up in the present and perceive the future. So for somebody out there that feels like, okay, but what does that look like practically? What are yeah. some things that people would discount or write off as not trauma that actually you would say, whoa, 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 you've actually dealt with some pain and that pain is skewing how you're living in the present and how you're viewing the future? Yes, absolutely. Language. The language people use to, to raise us, to rear us, to guide us. Mm. Um, I have a lot of people come in and be like, but no one put a hand on me. No one hurt me. Like, mm. I wasn't, you know, I was fed. I was clothed. I had a house over my head. Like, there's no reason why I should feel this way. And, you know, I help them understand the part of the brain that processes and metabolizes physical pain is the same part of the brain that processes and metabolizes social pain. Our words hurt just as much as someone physically harming us, right? And that matters because even when we look in Scripture, we look in Genesis, God creates with his words, right? Mm. And the enemy also created with his words. Deception. Ooh. Right. And yet I think that is uh, such an overlooked means of wounding someone is with words, yeah. because the words that people speak over us create the perception we have of ourselves. And then we live out of that perception. We live in the stories that we're told about us. And then we live in the stories we tell ourselves based on what was said about us. And so there's so much in our lives that manifests in the physical that came from something that was immaterial. And unless we address that immaterial thing, our physical life is going to continue to express chaos, right? Mm -hmm. Because chaos was spoken over us and chaos lives within us. So chaos will come out of us. Ooh. Ooh, I mean, you can clearly tell this girl has gone to seminary because I'm over here like, somebody hand me a praise, Hanky, please. Somebody, somebody. And and this is this is what I believe. And how you have broken this down, how you are articulated, someone is listening right now saying, oh my God, I've gone through trauma. Yeah. First of all, welcome to the club. I am the president. It doesn't define me or disqualify me, nor you, but yeah. I want you to free some people. I want you to free some people and I want us to spend some time talking about emotions. I, I listened to your podcast and you said this on a podcast and I wrote it down in my notes. You said, emotions are like the check engine light of the soul. And yeah. so if the check oil light comes on or the gas light comes on, uh, yeah. it's indicating what it needs. Can you unpack this? Because this was very helpful for me and I want our listeners yeah. to know like, oh wait, I, how do I identify what the emotions are and what I need? Yes, absolutely. So I would start with this. I always like to like establish a norm or like kind of provide a caveat that emotions are an inextricable part of the human experience and God designed it that way. Mm. And so we should be really careful about um, people, places, environments that tell us to put emotion on a shelf because that's not how God designed the human body to exist. 
Mm. Right. Emotions are supposed to be a part of our everyday experience. And so when I talk about how emotions are the check engine light of the soul, each emotion indicates a need. It's reflecting something. Mm -hmm. It's letting you know that something is present. Right. Each emotion gives us an urge. Right. Which is kind of like a reaction. And then each emotion invites us into a response. Mm. But here's the difference between a response and a reaction. A reaction's automatic and a response is thought-provoked, right? So some of us might get angry and the reaction in our body is that we get hot and sweaty and then our heart rate goes up and now we're breathing and we're getting a little bit loud and we're getting worked up. That's a reaction. We can't control that. A response is to notice the reaction and say, I'm going to do something that calms that reaction. Mm. Right. And um, I just like to remind, especially believers, you can acknowledge an emotion and not be sinful. That sounds so simple, but it goes against almost everything most people have been taught, that acknowledging your emotions is not sinful. We know that. Why? Because uh, in Matthew, I think it's when Jesus is in the garden, right? He acknowledges his emotion, even though his emotion reflects a desire that opposes God's will, right? So he says, yeah. like, if this cup can pass, please let it scoot on over. <laughs> but but if not, your will be done, right? We can acknowledge an emotion without acquiescing to the urge of the emotion. Yes. The urge of Jesus was to say, I'm not doing this. Right. But yes. he learned how to acknowledge the emotion, but not give into the urge. And the space between that acknowledgement and not giving into the urge is a self-control, which therapy is great for. I really want people to hold on to this concept because for a lot of time I have been made to feel, and we'll unpack this in a second. Uh, basically, I'm going to get free therapy today. Thank you, Jesus. Look <laughs> at God already making a way, staying on yes. budget. Thank you, Jesus. I want to unpack that a little bit more, but I really want us to hold on to that our reaction is okay. Yes. So every time that I had a reaction, I thought like, I'm so immature. I'm so yep. bad. I'm so yep. wrong. What's wrong yep. with me? And it wasn't until I started reading your stuff and listening to your stuff that I started thinking like, for the, oh, Jesus, help me. For the first time in a really long time, I felt justified and I felt okay. Yep. That my yep. emotion, that, that there was space for my emotions and that my emotions were okay. And so I want this to feel very practical for our listeners. Yeah. Can we, because I, I I was thinking of all the emotions and the gamut of emotions. Yeah. And also you gave us, I say us, as in like your podcast listeners, you gave <laughs> us homework and I'm a homeschool kid who loves homework. Okay. I'll, I'll get an A plus plus, honey. So the homework assignment you gave on that particular episode, I'm going to end with it because we talk about like emotions and then the needs and yeah. what it means and indicates. But I thought of one emotion that I want us to unpack and kind of flesh out, put some yeah. handles on that all of us have experienced is yeah. anger. And you said yeah. this, feeling the anger is part of the healing process. Yeah. And, you know, as, as a Bible teacher, as a church leader, as a pastor, I, I'm almost positive at some point I'm like, anger's of the devil, you know, don't be oh, angry. Yeah. And yeah. so this kind of really like questioned me and how I view how I view how I apply God's word to my life, but can you kind of flush up the emotion of anger and tell us how anger is actually part of the healing process? Yes, absolutely. So 
One, anger and all emotions, they reflect the state that you're in. They reflect the environment. They're an appraisal, a real-time appraisal of the situation that you're in, right? So anger is an emotion that tells us that something sacred has been violated and that something Oof. needs to be protected. Hold on. I- I'm writing it down and I'm repeating it because it was so nice. I had to say it twice. Yeah. Anger is... An emotion that tells us that something sacred has Mm -hmm. been violated and that something needs to be protected. Violated and protected. That's a word right there. Carry on. Carry on. Just had to write it down. So good. And, And that's important because we push anger away and we're like, oh my gosh, I can't be angry. I can't be angry. But then we wonder why people constantly take advantage of us. Well, the, the alarm in your body, anger, that's telling you that something sacred, you, is being violated, you turned it off, mm. right? And so without that anger, you have no desire to protect yourself. Without that anger, you have no desire to guard yourself, to act in wisdom, right? To, yeah. to develop a holy shrewdness, to learn how to love yourself in a way that you can love other people, mm. right? And so anger is a part of how we care and protect ourselves, right? But then also anger is something we should feel when we come to the re- realization of the truth of the wounds that we've carried, mm. right? Mm. When we look back and see abuse, we should be angry, mm. right? Yeah. And if you're not, it's probably because you've lost sight of the sacred nature that God has placed in you. Mm. Like which of us sees a child being abused and does not feel angry and thinks that that's holy? Yeah. Yeah. Like we are sacred. We should be protected. We are God's children. We are the very image of God. We are the royal diadem, crowns of splendor. If someone violates the image of God in me, anger is an appropriate response. Anger is an appropriate response and emotion to feel. And so for many of us, especially people who've been neglected, who've been abused, they've pushed away anger. And as they're coming to the truth of the ways that they've been manipulated and hurt, this anger is rising. And then they feel guilt, like, oh my gosh, why do I feel angry? You're feeling angry because you're actually developing an accurate view of who God called you to be. Ooh, ooh, wait, wait, hold on. We get angry because we're realizing we have an accurate view of who God has called us to be. I'm I'm a I'm a throw my shoe. I'm a throw my shoe. Hold on. <laughs> Hold on. Okay, listen, there's going to be someone on a treadmill. There's going to be someone in the parking lot. There's going to be someone doing their makeup and they're not taking this seriously, but they're going to have to listen to this podcast episode twice and send it to their best friend so that both of them keep each other accountable because I know who I am and this anger that I'm feeling is because I, I no. No, I'm yeah. sa- I'm sacred. I'm a royal diadem. Someone needs to write yeah. that word. I haven't heard diadem until I was reading the King James Version. So like, <laughs> you're really taking us back. Okay, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Okay, so yeah. we're feeling the feelings. Yeah. We are putting language around anger. And I want to... Yeah. I want to clarify, no one's justifying you, you know, yeah. punching people or, yeah. you know, yeah. rear ending somebody. Road rage yeah. is not justified. I just put a little yeah. caveat so no one comes back and sues me. But yeah. that's not what we're saying here. We're talking about the emotion yeah. of anger and validating yeah. that feeling. So my whole yeah. life, I've been told feelings aren't facts. Feelings mm-hmm. aren't facts. And um, I've probably told myself that many, many mm-hmm. times. 
Yeah. And you said something that I literally, <laughs> I was, it was 445 <laughs> in the morning. I'm on the 405 freeway. And yes, us people in California say the 405. It's legit. It's so annoying. I don't know why we do it. But the 405 freeway at 445 on my way to the gym. And you said, feelings aren't facts, but they lead us to facts that we usually don't want to look at. Yeah. I started screaming. I started screaming. I said, oh my God. No, no, no. You think I'm kidding. And I hit the back 15, back 15 button on um, Apple iTunes. A little like circle. Yes, like, I did. Because I was like, oh my God, I have to hear it again. And then I said, oh my God, I got to hear that again. So yeah. someone needs to hear it again. Feelings aren't facts, but they lead to facts that we usually don't want to look at. My God. Say more, sis. Say more, please. Yeah. I mean, when we go back to the analogy of feelings being the check engine light of the soul, if your engine light is on, mm. it's because something's wrong with the engine. <laughs> It's because there's something deeper that needs to be looked at. And if your engine line is on and nothing's wrong, then there's still an issue, right? Mm. Because that means that something in the system's miscalibrated. Ooh. Oh, what? <laughs> what? Right? So, like, maybe, oh, my gosh, this person really didn't do anything to me. But the fact that I, that I felt that that I felt like you were doing something to me and you really weren't doing something is still cause for me to investigate why I'm not accurately seeing the way that you're treating me well, right? Mm. And I think that like we we sometimes just want to dismiss feeling, just dismiss. But I have to ask people, leaders, pastors, ministers, who of you have said yes to Jesus without feeling something? Mm. You don't say yes to Jesus because you learn about scripture. It's not the head knowledge. Because many of us sat in church for years and heard the same sermons and was about sleep. But one day, seriously, like head back, mouth open. But one day something felt different. Mm. And when we push away our emotions, we desensitize ourselves to the biological discernment system that God has created for us to connect to him. Mm. You know God's present because you sense it. How do you sense it through your feelings? Does that, mean, does that mean that God can only be sensed through his feeling? No, not at all. But your personal connection to him is connected to that. Mm. If someone only felt shame and fear and terror in God's presence and never love, never peace, why would they follow him? Mm. Yeah. There's a reason why when God talks about heaven in scripture, he talks about the presence of certain emotions in the absence of other ones, right? He says, every tear will be wiped away, yeah. right? There'll be fullness of joy. Full, like God designed emotions to be a part of our experience. He's not going to banish the feelings that we have in the new heaven, the new earth, when, you know, everything is made new because Feelings are holy. We know feelings are holy because before the fall, the only emotion, the only negative emotion ever experienced pre-fall is loneliness. Oh my, wait, wait, hold on, hold on. I know you're, I know you're laughing at me, but I feel mind blown <laughs> right now. Wait, the only emotion before the fall of mankind was loneliness. Yeah. Shut up, shut up, shut, shut up right now. Oh my gosh, that's so true. And then, so what you're saying is post-fall, that's when we're beginning to feel and express the gamut of emotions? Yeah, I think that a full life requires a full range of emotion. 
And we see that full range of emotion lived out in Jesus. Jesus feels angry. He feels sad. He feels misunderstood. He feels lonely. And yet he never sinned. And not only did he feel it, he expressed it without sinning. Which means that there's a way that we can feel emotions, express emotions, and still be holy and pure. Listen. Listen, listen, somebody is getting set free today. I know that, okay? Well, first of all, I'm not, I'm not going to say somebody. I'm going to say me, okay? Because as someone who is very emotional, in fact, uh, my twin sister says my emotions have emotions, okay? Yes. Yeah. Um, I've been made to feel, as someone who's emotional, I've been made yeah. to feel like that's an attribute that's overtly feminine or not yeah. rational or yeah. I'm unstable. Yeah. And um you, you, you said something I want to latch on to, that emotions are how we hear from God or how the Holy yeah. Spirit speaks. Yeah. I, I want to make sure that I'm hearing you clearly. And then can you explain that a little bit? Yeah, for sure. I think that we can hear from the Holy Spirit in a range of ways, right? But when it comes to a personal one-on-one way, right, when Scripture says, my peace I give to you, and I do not give it as the world gives it, how do you experience that peace? How do you experience peace without an emotion. Hmm. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. When the word says that in his presence there's fullness of joy, joy. Yeah. well then how do you how do you know you're in the presence of God if you're mm. not connected to emotions? Mm. Right? God God makes himself discernible to us personally through emotions. Mm. There's some of us who can walk into a room, look at someone, feel a deep sadness, and just feel the urge to go over and hug them, mm-hmm. and, they, and they're in shambles. Mm. We discerned something through those emotions. Yeah. Now, does that mean our emotions are always accurate reflection of, of what the situation we're in or accurate appraisal? No, for sure, right? But you'll never know unless you talk to someone about it. Yeah. You'll never know unless you let someone pop the hood and actually look. Mm -hmm. Right. But I think about so many people who want to take emotion and feeling out of um, what it means to know God. And I'm like, man, all of this sounds really good if we were just like, you know, those like sardines on SpongeBob. They used to go like me. Yeah. Yes. Like all of that would be fantastic if we were those. But like when you're alone in a room and you're praying to God and you say, Holy Spirit, come. How do you know when he's there? It's a feeling. It's a feeling. It's a feeling. Yeah. Feelings are things we feel in our bodies. Feelings are not just up here. They're physical experiences, right? In my book, we, I literally have a scan of where certain emotions show up in your body because we have the appraisal. And then based on the appraisal, our body releases a cocktail of, a, of a hormones specific to certain emotions and releases them in our bodies. Yeah. They're physical things that we feel, right? So when we feel that fullness of joy in God's presence, we have to be acquainted with emotions, mm. period, to experience the promise of the joy he's giving us, the promise mm. of the peace he's giving us. Yeah. I, I want to pause and I want to remind ourselves we're unpacking a lot and yes. the, our brain's processing a lot. When trial, trauma, and tribulation happens, I want people to have practical handles on how to get back up because that is resilience and that's great. And I've gone through some trauma lately and also have discovered some childhood trauma. I actually Mm -hmm. discovered it in adulthood because hashtag the body keeps the score. So what I want to do as we move on to the next thing that I feel is important to talk about is, (laughs) is triggers. 
So mm-hmm. we talk about trauma and there's triggers that will relive trauma. And I, I laugh because I feel like it's becoming like a very like thing to say, like, I'm so triggered and I'm so yeah. triggered. And I get annoyed. <laughs> I get so annoyed. Like I'm a safe, sanctified saint, but I'm like, you don't even know what you're talking about. So trained yeah. professional, so clinical yeah. therapist. Will you please, number one, define triggers. And then yeah. I want us to kind of unpack when triggers return to your mind and your body from traumatic moments, like what do we do? So we, we, we've discussed a lot of the, the what, trauma. Now it's yeah. the, the what to do. Now it's the how do I overcome this? How do I get better when I'm triggered? Yeah, for sure. Well, the professional in me is like, this is a personal experience. And, you know, this is not therapy right now. And these are therapeutic resources, but please go see a therapist for yourself. So all of that. Um, <laughs> wait, 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 was that your disclaimer? Oh, yeah. Oh, absolutely. So you're not like, well, I tried that one breathing exercise, Kobe, and uh, it didn't work. So, you know, my triggers win. So I'll start there. Triggers are our mind, our body, our spirit's remembrance of past trauma, right? Mm -hmm. So I will say this. There's a difference between feeling an emotion that's uncomfortable in the present and being triggered. And I think that culture has kind of conflated them. Wait, wait, wait. Say that again. Say that again. What? There's a difference between feeling a strong emotion that is uncomfortable and being triggered. (gasps) Yes. Yep. Yeah. So a trigger is a present moment that is tied to a past trauma, Right. Mm. So when you're triggered, your body is reacting in the present as if it was in the past. Oof. Right. Mm hmm. So example, I was talking to my twin sister about something a couple weeks ago and it was like a simple yes or no. And I was like, and this is why you did it. And you never did it. And she was just like, what? (laughs) (laughs) And. In the moment, I didn't even realize it was happening because it was a reaction, right? Mm. Automatic. Triggers Mm -hmm. are automatic. I'll say that. So it was a reaction. And then, like, after I kind of snapped, too, I was like, dang, I was not talking about anything that we were just talking about, were we? And she was like, no. (laughs) And I was like, I'm so sorry. I think I was just triggered, right? And that happens, right? That happens. And sometimes we're triggered by things we don't even know we're triggered by. Right. Because sometimes it is tied to something in the past, but that doesn't mean we know what that past moment is, Mm -hmm. because a lot of us are developing awareness of our triggers in adulthood and of our childhood trauma in adulthood. So there's that. But I will say this. uh, Once you have a trigger, once you have several triggers around the same thing, you are responsible for now investigating and dealing with the trauma that that trigger is tied to. That's great. And I think that's something we we sometimes are just like, I'm just triggered. No, like there's only a certain amount of time you can be triggered by the exact same things in the exact same context and not do anything about it, mm. right? That doesn't mean that you won't continue to be triggered as you work it out, but you are responsible for working it out. Yeah. Um, and I think what happens oftentimes is people are trying to like fireproof the house in the middle of the fire. You fireproof a house before... The house is on fire. If the house is on fire, it's too late to fireproof, which means that you have to care about your mental and emotional health before you're in crisis. Mm. 
And that's a word for us as individuals, but it's also a word for the body. We can't keep waiting for the scandal, for the suicide, for the national crisis before we start caring about mental health, because at that point, the house is on fire and it's too late for fireproof. That is so good. That is so incredibly good. Uh, One of the things that um, I I just feel like each of these can be their own podcast, but I'm going to as my grandmother would say, el saque el sangre, like suck the blood out. I want to like pick your brain on just just one more quick thing before we transition yeah. to kind of uh, naming naming the feeling, naming the emotion and like the effects of yeah. it. But I've done a lot of research uh, around negativity bias. In fact, in Grit Don't Quit, shameless plug, uh, I talk about uh, that, that negativity is like Velcro and positivity is like Teflon. So yeah. if something you said, you had mentioned, I'm going all the way back up to the top. We're talking about trauma again. Um, yeah. Whether it was a neighborhood kid that said that you were fat or your dad said that you would never accomplish anything or your mother said yeah. you're just like your grandmother, whatever those things are, we hold on yeah. to those things like Velcro. And then anything positive that said, it just like slips right off. And yeah. so um, you use this acronym that I've never heard before, but I want you to explain. Uh, you, what are ANTS? A-N-T- well, it, I guess it's just ant, but can you explain the acronym for us and how ants can harm our ability to love ourselves and also accept God's love? Yes, absolutely. So ants are automatic negative thoughts, and it was actually developed by uh, Dr. Amen, who is a well-known psychiatrist. He's in Orange County, honey. Yes. yes and one day is. I'll be rich enough to go see him, but carry on. Oh my gosh, <laughs> yes, yeah. And listen, and in the name of Jesus, you'll get to do the scan my brain. He's I, wanted, I want to do the scan my brain. Oh my gosh. Yes, yes. Carry on, though. Carry on. Yeah, so um, automatic negative thoughts. Our, our brain does not care much for uh, truth or wisdom. Our brain cares a lot for safety and predictability, even at the expense of our own mental and emotional being, right? So automatic negative thoughts are these thoughts that automatically pop up based on the situations we're in. If your brain looks at the situation and says, oh, I've been here before, your brain is already going to engage in an automatic process of thinking, right? Mm -hmm. So maybe your friend, you go online and your friends went out to eat and you didn't go, right? You may be thinking to yourself, well, they didn't invite me because they don't like me anymore and they decided they don't want to be friends with me based on a situation that did happen and was true, but now we're taking that one moment that happened and we're projecting it into the future over and over and over again. And we're telling ourselves these stories, right? Um, And I love to say this, we live in the stories we tell ourselves, right? Mm -hmm. And the stories we tell ourselves are based on the experiences we've had. So if we want to tell ourselves a different story, we have to have a new experience, right? Um, And so hopefully for someone, this podcast is the new experience that makes them say, maybe I should come with curiosity instead of a certainty rooted in my trauma, right? Because curiosity uh, reflects flexibility, Right. Reflexibility. And and when we are like rigid, it's often because we've experienced trauma. So back to the ants. These ants are these ways that we are automatically thinking, but we have to investigate. We have to investigate them because they're automatic. They're going to come up no matter what you you do. Right. They're going to come up. But what we do with them, we do have a choice. We do have a choice with what we do with the ants when they come up. Mm -hmm. So maybe you do think they don't want to be friends with me anymore. And you can ask yourself, is that 100% true? Do I know that with unshakable certainty? No, I don't know that, actually. Hmm. 
And if I want to know that, I have to meet someone else with curiosity. We have to be willing to confront our automatic negative thoughts to interrupt them from continuing to show up in our lives. Because mm. as they show up, the more they show up, the more we're going to give room for them to show up. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, this is, if we want a new narrative, we need a new experience. This yeah. is gold. This is, this, is, this is amazing. Before we kind of wrap up with a couple, like, last thoughts, we're going to play a game. I call it homework. I'm taking your homework, but I want to kind of put you on the spot. I know you're going to know the answers. So this is basically like, I'm, you're going to ace this. Don't worry. But Lord. I want. Okay. <laughs> no, no, no. It's I have two kids. I can't remember anything. <laughs> okay, well, I have a cheat sheet right here. I have a cheat sheet because I wrote it down. But on your podcast, you gave away some homework. Um, you wanted to identify the purpose of certain emotions and what need they satisfy in our life. So yes. um, I love, I love, and I encourage people, and even wrote it in the book that we have to get good at naming the emotion. And so my counselor yes. has said, okay, what's the emotion behind the emotion? So yes. you are angry, but what it's really revealing is that you're sad. Yep. And it was like a game changer for me. Now, this is what you said on your podcast. Um, and basically what you created. So he gave me that one. Like if I'm angry, yep. it's the feeling behind it is really sadness. But then yes. you in the homework, you gave us a whole lexicon of emotions. Girl, had I had this lexicon before, I would have put it in the book and attribute it to you. Okay. But I want you, his one his one language, his one sentence helped me identify that when I'm angry, it's really just revealing that I'm sad. Okay, so yeah. sadness communicates what? Oh, a need for connection and closeness. Yes, you said in your podcast that sadness communicates that there's been a loss. Oh, yes, yes, oh. and that the restoration, the desire yes. is to is to develop a connection. Yes, yes, yes. Okay, so I'm gonna feed you the line and then you get to add your little uh, commentary. How about that? Okay, deal. Fear and anxiety communicate danger and regret. Yeah. And the need would be safety. So fear and anxiety communicate, whoa, 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 there's danger, there's regret. Uh -huh. and, and then the need that it would satisfy would be safety. So if we felt safe, yeah. fear and anxiety would be quelled, yes? Is yes. that what I hear you saying? Okay. Yes. Okay. This one was fascinating. I love this one. You said um, anger indicates a need for a boundary. Whoa, yes. whoa, whoa, whoa. Yeah. That is so good. And the need would be safety. That's another one that, yeah. was, that you said was safety. Yeah. Um, shame indicates what? Shame indicates that we feel isolated, that mm -hmm. we feel pushed away, that we feel ostracized. And the need would be acceptance. Yes, I. when you said that, that was so beautiful. Okay, so yeah. somebody out there who's feeling sad, the feeling behind the feeling is that there's been a loss. If you're f fearful and have anxiety, there's danger or regret. If there's anger, uh, there's a need for a boundary. Shame indicates that there's something wrong with me. And, and to combat that, it's acceptance and approval. Guilt communicates, I've done something wrong. Yeah. And we need to, uh, the need behind it is to assess our value. But then yeah. this is this is the best part. So it's easy for me to identify negative emotions. I'm an Enneagram 7. I love fun. I hate tension. Anything that's like complex, <laughs> I run away, you know? But you also gave us language for positive emotions. So I want to yeah. unpack just, yeah, I want to unpack two. I want your thoughts. Uh, love sure. is a positive emotion. What do you say that it expresses like a need for or or? Because oh, yeah. I think positive emotions are not spoken about enough. And so what yeah. is love? Oh my gosh. I, love is one acceptance. Mm -hmm. And then also love, it, it indicates a need for like continuous presence. Yeah. 
like that I want to continue this. Yeah. Oh, this is so good. And then joy is in motion. And you said this in the podcast earlier. You said that there's joy in the in the fullness of the presence of the Lord. I'm yeah. botching that scripture, but thank you for going to. You know what it is, girl. Yeah, I know it in my heart. That's the BIV version. That's the Bianca version. But joy uh, communicates, uh, this is good and I'm satisfied. As we wrap this up, one of the need that it indicates is rest and a continuous yeah. ability to have that rest. And when I heard that, yeah. it just connected so many dots. So what you did right now is you provided a lexicon and the homework that you gave uh, your listeners in that podcast, I literally am just taking that homework and everyone on the podcast, I want you to hear this. I want you to go through and write that lexicon out because when you start identifying the feeling and the feeling behind the feelings, then we know what we really need. So yeah. the emotion in the feeling is I would say a reaction but I want us to respond with what that need is. So I'm building upon the homework assignment. I love it. As we can wrap this up, I saved this part for the last because I feel like there's been some heaviness and we've had some honest conversation. For somebody that feels like they haven't encountered trauma, what does someone need to hear in mm. the healing journey of their life that, you maybe, that maybe they haven't heard? What do you want to speak over us and pastor us in this moment as we wrap up? Ooh, you know, I think... The one thing that I think everyone should know is that there are moments that brought on you this weight, this anger, this shame, this sadness. And the same way our body metabolized those hard moments because of the experiences we had is the same way our body can metabolize good moments. Mm. We have the capacity to hold on to healing just as tightly, just as intimately as we have held on to our hurt. And the hurt happened to us. The healing can happen to us, too. Yes, yes. You can follow Kobe Campbell on any sort of social media platform. Uh, you can listen to her podcast, The Healing Circle Podcast, on iTunes, Spotify, anywhere where you download podcasts. I would also highly recommend her best-selling book, Why Am I Like This? Which, side note, amazing title. Love that title. Um, I just want everyone to listen and know that like, I never push somebody's book if I haven't read it, but I, I have it. It's coming on Amazon. It didn't come in time before this podcast, but this is what I do know. The content that you have put out online has been so beneficial and enriched my life so much that I cannot wait to read the book. And I would not have you on if I didn't believe that you were awesome. Anyone who has been blessed by the content, the information, the revelation that we've received today, go get her book at Barnes & Noble, Amazon, or anywhere where fine books are sold. Kobe, I just want to say thank you for your work. I appreciate you. you. For the podcast listeners, I can't wait for you to join us next week for more content on how to be gritty and resilient. I love you, fam. <laughs>